little too tall, could have used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, holler now. She was a blackhead beauty with big dark eyes and points all her own, sudden way up high. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's ninth highlight episode, we welcome back Bill Conger and Colin Nesbitt. They're here to talk about a collaborative exhibition that's at Helmuth Projects in San Diego, California, and it's up through the 19th, and by appointment, there will be a closing on December 19th, so please check out HelmuthProjects.com. Again, there'll be links at Studio Break, but go ahead and check it out there, and make sure you make it for the 19th, because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that cannot be easily replaced by slides, so go check that out on the 19th. Once again, if you are unfamiliar with Studio Break, we have tons of podcasts and slideshows up at studiobreak.com. Again, it's very easy to access the archives. Just page down for previous blog entries or just go to the left and look under archives and go month by month. Again, 50 full-length interviews and shorter episodes like this highlight one. Again, each of them has slideshows and links to artists' websites. Once again, if you like this podcast, you can check us out in iTunes. Just search for Studio Break under podcasts and subscribe there or you can find out more information by visiting us on Facebook like our Facebook page and also you can follow us on Twitter at Studio Break alright did I mention there's a closing on the 19th again check it out here's our interview with Bill and Colin stay tuned Welcome back for a very exciting episode of Studio Break. We have some returning guests. With me today is Bill Conger and Colin Nesbitt. How are you guys doing? And we'll start with you, Bill. Oh, I'm doing great, Dave. Thanks for uh, having me back again. The, the couch that you always have me sit on is now completely broken in. Well, it, it, does, sound, it does sound like you're sitting um, and, and working at a typewriter, to be honest, in a big hall <laughs> of the... Right. Uh, of the Overlook Hotel, but uh, how yeah. are you doing, Colin? What do you what do you what do you got going on? Um, doing well. I'm installing some uh, BA and BS shows at work. That sounds fun. It's very exciting. All right. Well, it's great to have you guys back on. And um, you know, we we had talked briefly at, uh, at various times about a, a project that you guys had developed, and. Um, that's why you're on us, to find out more about this project that you guys had going on and, and a show that you had out in California. So if you could just um, provide us a little bit of uh, details there, Colin, in terms of uh, what the space is and, and how this all came about. Uh, yeah, well, the uh, the show is at um, Helmuth Projects, and that's in uh, the East Village area kind of of uh, San Diego. And uh, I kind of I contacted... I guess rather I was contacted by um, uh, Angela, who works there, and she kind of wanted to see what I was working on, and we kind of kind of set up a date. But before we got to that point, I I called up Bill and wanted to see if he wanted to maybe partner on something, and uh, that's kind of how it came about. And when I went to talk to them, we had kind of had like a loose idea of what we wanted to do, but, um, 
I hit uh, Angela and Josh who run Helmuth uh, with the idea and they seemed to really like it. And that was, uh, I think that was like in June. Uh, and here we are. All right. So what, what is the exhibition anyways? Because to be honest, I've been kept in the dark, been hearing a little bit about Moonlight, but that's about it. So what's going on in this exhibition? So the, the exhibition, Dave, was called The Strawberry Thief, and it uh, references a, um, a print by um, the famous uh, textile arts and crafts uh, artist, painter, poet, writer, uh, William Morris. Um, and The Strawberry Thief is probably one of his most famous prints uh, produced around 1883. The, um, the idea of William Morris has just kind of been interesting to me as kind of a um, character in art. And in, in some ways, I've been referencing pattern um, as, as a kind of critique on contemporary art and painting. And so just thinking about William Morris, I connected with that particular pattern, which is kind of just a lifting place. It's just kind of a, a place where the exhibition begins conceptually. Um, the, all of the items in the exhibition do not necessarily refer to the pattern at all, or William Morris necessarily, but it, it is kind of a um, point of departure. Okay, and so in terms of the collaboration efforts, I mean, how, how did that work in terms of you, you guys deciding what was going to be in the exhibition, um, if it's based around the Strawberry Thief? Um, mm-hmm. You know, how, how, does that, how does that evolve? How do you guys decide what is going to be included, what's necessary? Um, and again, I, I, don't, I don't like working with others, so I'm, I'm trying to get a better understanding of that. So what was the process like? Sure. Well, this is the third exhibition I've done this year that has been uh, kind of collaborative. So for me at this point, it's been really um, second nature. It's just been a terrific experience to kind of explore this way. Um, But Colin came to me with the idea of doing a show, um, and I had just done a one-person show that had incorporated aspects of of this exhibition, which Mm. was to happen. That's right. And... And uh, so we talked about maybe incorporating it, and it just kind of lifted off from there, right, Colin? Yeah, it really did. Um, And I think that, I don't know, just speaking of uh, collaborations, I'm kind of with you, Dave, that um, I I typically, I've never had any real success uh, collaborating with people before this. And I think that one of the biggest things that helped is just that, Bill and I actually know each other really well and we've known each other quite a long time. And so when you can actually just trust that people are going to make the right decision, that's pretty helpful. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Well, and so what, what did, I mean, what did you guys decide then in terms of what, what the, what the show looks like? Cause again, um, from what I understand, there's no, there's no remnants of it or it was something that was kind of a, you had to be there for the opening. So, I mean, um, in terms of what you're deciding, it's based yeah. on what, what Bill's exhibition was before. What was the what was the stuff in that exhibition that prompted you to this uh, this this show and how that turned out? So, the, Dave, the portion of the exhibition that I was involved with um, consisted of a pedestal with uh, six objects on it. I've been working with found, repurposed uh, objects. Um, 
that kind of inform each other um, in in various ways, dependent on the viewer. And uh, one of the aspects of the of the show in question was uh, an online portion, uh, a website, which kind of leads to more images, which open the show uh, a little more. And and so those are the aspects of the show that I contributed. Where where does the uh, the moonlight come in? The moonlight was kind of like uh, I I was doing a lot of lighting research. And I was kind of learning about different lighting levels and things like that. And um, I kind of discovered some different aspects of how bright moonlight is and things along those lines. And I thought it was kind of interesting with the way that Bill was working with these uh, curated objects to kind of make my contribution a... uh, almost like I was in the background mm-hmm. and kind of more adding to Bill's work and kind of augmenting it. And, uh, and of course kind of with the way a lot of my work is, it was really elaborate trying to get to this simple idea. Um, but that's kind of where the, the moonlight comes in. It, it bathes the whole space in this moonlight and, uh, kind of, really manipulates everything in the space and your experience in the space. Well, and two, I would think that since Bill's work, I mean, and you can, you know, elaborate on this, Bill, but I would imagine that your work is typically not seen in Moonlight, and so there's there's got to be a level of kind of catching that moment that you've kind of talked about a number of times that yeah. becomes a little bit different in this situation. Yeah, the, and we really kind of, um, that was, that was part of the idea that the, the the kind of visual atmosphere would be very different and somewhat difficult to make out things. And and I do have to say before I go further, Colin absolutely just crushed this idea of moonlight. I mean, absolutely mimics it to perfection. I was actually in a full moon at whatever it was a night or two ago, and it really felt like I was back in the show. It was absolutely phenomenal. But the the objects I chose were all black um, on a white um, surface to um, kind of pr- um, prod this idea of duality, um, which goes through the show as well, um, like life, death, sacred, profane, old, and new, um, and the objects themselves point to to some of those things. And um, I had I had uh, six objects. Uh, one was a drink chiller with a freshly made old fashioned cocktail on it. Um, so this chiller is meant to keep the drink, uh, cold for you seemingly forever. It actually doesn't work very well, but, uh, (laughs) the, the attempt is what was so beautiful that this thing actually exists. Uh, there was a part, a tiny fragment of a meteorite taken from South America. Um, there was a, um, solar filter. Um, there was a megalodon, an ancient, uh, megalodon tooth, uh, about as big as your hand, which was an ancient shark and a, um, Oh, a QR code, which, um, as being in this moonlight at the opening, everybody kind of instinctually pulls out their phone to try to illuminate this pedestal to see what is on it. The things are black. They're hard to read anyway. 
And and then when they discover the code, they scan the code, which takes you to the strawberrythief.com, which um, also um, contains more curated images from Colin and myself, um, which further kind of ask questions as well as kind of try to illuminate, so to speak, um, you know, within this within this environment. Well, and anybody that's seen you guys know that you're not you're not that happening, um, you know, from a from a hipster perspective. So, right. what was what was the what was the idea? Was not, but I am. I mean, I'm <laughs> that. I guess maybe a little bit more so, but um, but I was going to ask though. So 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 then the the component that it becomes interactive, and um, I'm I'm guessing then when you when you say scan it, did it have like a uh, you know one of those uh, fancy snazzy uh, smartphone kind of readers that take you to that website. Correct. And so, yeah. and so, and so what kind of interaction, I guess, were you, were you looking for or maybe trying to elicit from the viewer in terms of, uh, to being in the space and, you know, I don't know, is, is there a level of frustration trying to see something and then you can't, you know, it's all I'm black? sure there is. And I think to some degree it mimics the frustration that often accompanies viewing art in general. Um, what I think if I could back up just a little bit, the, the experience of it uh, and watching it kind of unfold was very much uh, akin to discovering something new in contemporary art where, that, that jars you. So uh, what you find are people kind of um, resorting or, or kind of consoling themselves within technology and finding that thing that is going to kind of make things okay. Um, which inadvertently opens the door to more questions. Um, I saw it and see it as a kind of constellation of ideas that unfolds. And it's kind of the way that particularly I've been working, um, um, trying to create opportunities for viewers to um, enact their own creative instinct and their own kind of perceptual instincts to, um, you know, connect the dots as they see fit. Um, it's very open-ended and, and um, can be very rewarding, but as you can imagine, can also be really frustrating too. So there was an aspect where people were really struggling to see, but um, I think they were, I think uh, there was a level of kind of enjoyment in that, you, you know, they did get a little bit of solace from their technology. Well, and I think that the the whole process, it's one of those things where um, oftentimes artists will talk about these grandiose ideas that they have about how their work should be seen. And I think that we were both fairly um, careful to not really tell people how to interact with the different pieces to make that kind of constellation that Bill was talking about. But I, I think it's one of the few times that I've been in a, a gallery setting where I, I felt like, and of course I'm on the inside. So, I mean, my opinion's a little biased here, but I, I feel like it's one of the times where a, a viewer could actually understand how artists are thinking by going through that same process of connecting the dots. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting because I, I guess you, you also then leave, um, leave things up to a certain level of chance then too, in, in the way that it's going to be received. Right. Right. 
which I would imagine plays heavily into into both of your studio practices. Because I, I know that again from having both of you guys on, um, there's usually a lot of uh, um, you know researching or obsessing over something. Absolutely, and I mean for the the moonlight, you know, w- one of the things that really set me on the path of trying to figure out can I do this moonlight? Um, there was there have been some. Uh, studies done where they were trying to figure out uh, does moonlight actually look blue because for hundreds of years we had uh, um, artists depicting night scenes as being slightly blue and what they figured out eventually that you know these uh, beautiful nightscapes um, while we don't actually uh, moonlight isn't actually blue because it's just reflected sunlight but what happens is at very low light levels, um, and I think many of us know this, but at higher light levels, your, your rods and cones kind of work together to see uh, your cones see color and your rods see light and dark. At low light levels, your rods are activated and your cones kind of turn off. Um, and so you're not really seeing color much anymore. And so I think that's one of the things that kind of leads into like Bill choosing all these black objects to be curated onto this white surface, maybe. Um, but at really low light levels, like in moonlight, um, you actually start to uh, see in blue a little bit because your rods begin to recruit your blue cones to help see. And so it's kind of, I think I've described it as uh, like having really crappy, like predator vision. Right. And so, you're seeing everything in this slightly blue tinge, but it's, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, it's, that was kind of the goal there was, can I actually recreate this and manipulate the viewer to, um, to participate in this? Like, can they actually see with this blue vision, not just low lighting, but actual, the same kind of um, conditions that you would uh, see moonlight and would would your body react the same way? And, and if I could add to that, there was no, there were no filters, there were no colored filters involved in Colin's um, work at all. It was, you know, completely uh, a refabrication or a, a, uh, a recreation of what happens when you're out in, in, in moonlight, which was just phenomenal. Well, the, the one thing that I was going to say that, that it brings up to me, aside from just the temporalness of it, is just that you guys both um, tend to really take a lot of meaning into things that are, are very easily missed. And I think one of the things that's interesting to me about it, too, is that um, you're kind of you're creating this false perception, um, or not even creating this false perception, or maybe even talking about how there's this false thing that happens anyways, because it sounds like you're not even seeing uh, blue light anyways. You're, it's part of a, a process that's going on in your brain, um, that you're that you can't be directly aware of it anyways, even if you wanted it to be. So there's there's a level to it of that 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 really sounds fascinating to me as well. Yeah, that that's exactly right. And and you know, I guess thinking about it uh, in that way and kind of um, this kind of like there is a kind of trickery involved and in, and in the idea you know with the pattern, which depicts these you know these little thrushes you know these little robins or whatever uh taking these stealing these these strawberries from the vine um 
is, is so inane and, and um, innocuous and, and really kind of so easily dismissed, but at the same time can be, can be seen as such a metaphor for, for art making and, you know, in general, in, in painting, sculpture, um, in the contemporary world. Um, and, and so I think you're right. It does like it, it, the moonlight helps push this along. And I guess we forgot to note Colin that, that another part of Colin's, um, installation was there was actually the paper, the actual print, um, Colin found the actual, um, replicated print of the strawberry thief, which was, uh, installed, but it was uh, a very dark blue on a blue. And so in that light, it was, it kind of perceived as black. So you really had to get your face close to it to discern the actual pattern, but the pattern was there. Um, it did have a presence um, beyond any particular conceptual ones in the show. Well, and ultimately there's a, there's an interesting, I don't know. It's just, it sounds like it's interesting then just to have it there in the first place amongst all these other things that you've curated from, you know, mm-hmm. who knows where, where, where do you find shark, ancient shark teeth, Bill? Uh, just things I have in my drawer. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. You know, you got to make you got to make use of these things that are floating in your pocket. Yeah, I, um, I, I guess you must be uh, featured on Hoarders in the near future. Um, well, one day, yeah. Chris Burton made that penny piece. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, for for those of for those uh, interested parties, again, obviously, um, we're hoping that those that that maybe visited the show would would find this interesting to listen to, but. Um, for, for anybody that might be wandering into the space now, what's going to be left there? You can still see it. Um, you have to uh, make an appointment with um, Josh or Angela or both um, to see it because uh, they have to kind of uh, set up, um, you know, different aspects of it again. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, still seeable. Um, I think that maybe that, that idea that it was one night only, uh, is, is mostly just because the way I saw it. And I think the way that people have agreed when they've experienced it is that you do really have to see it. And, um, and I think what adds to that kind of problem is that, um, it was so dark in there. We're having trouble documenting the, the, the show in the first place. So. Right, right. I don't really know how we're. It's nearly <laughs> impossible to document. Yeah, it, it, it really. And that's one of the reasons why yeah. I think this is so important. You know that we that we we really did want to talk about this because um, uh, this is a great way to kind of um, I guess uh, catalog the experience of the exhibition for those who can't see it and for those of us who those of us who saw it and and cannot see it again. Right. Right. Well, so for those for those that might be interested in in you know starting a, a coalition, if you will, of uh, you know visitors that want to come, um, how long is the exhibition open, and um, you know where can they find out more information about that? Well, uh, Helmuth Projects, uh, so it's H E L M U T H dash projects dot com. Um, you can. Uh, find out more about the space there. Um, I think that uh, you can get on their uh, Facebook page 
and uh, message Josh um, uh, or Angela. I don't know who actually answers their Facebook page, but um, if you message them through Facebook, uh, I know that they can get back to you, but you just have to set up an appointment. And I, I think one of the other problems is that as, as amazing of a job as they did of blocking out all of the light um, in the gallery uh, during the day, some of that sunlight still gets through. So you have to see it at night. But I mean, since it's winter, I mean, nighttime starts at like five thirty or something. Right. So, um, but yeah, those are some of the little cab kind of caveats, uh, uh, attached to the show. Um, I know I'm deinstalling it on the, uh, the 19th of December, and um, I'm not sure if we're going to have a closing reception uh, or not. I need to talk to those guys and uh, check back in about that. Well, it sounds like if you do, that would be an excellent time to have uh, a whole group of other people come and check it out, hopefully. Yeah, it would be fantastic. I mean, we had a really good turnout that night, um, and they said it's been – it was one of the better attended um, exhibitions that they hosted. So um, – I really, I, it would be fantastic if more people came out. I know there's been a lot of buzz about it, so that's um, really great. And, you know, one of the other things that, I mean, if we can just throw in something extra here, I, I think that this show could have only happened at somewhere like uh, Helmuth Projects. Um, yeah, I was joking with uh, Josh and Bill uh, one day when we were installing the show, and I was just talking about, you know, in my current capacity, I'm uh, running a, a, a university gallery. And if artists had been, uh, if artists had kind of dealt with me the way that uh, Josh and Angela have allowed us to deal with them, it would have driven me crazy because uh, we gave them no information up front. And uh, we essentially, you know, we were kind of letting the ex- uh, the experiment kind of blossom and, and, and uh, take its own course and so that meant we didn't have a lot of images for them. We didn't have a lot of uh, information to give them. We didn't have like a list of items initially uh, up until pretty close to the uh, exhibition because we were constantly curating things in and out and uh, letting it kind of, uh, like I said, you know, run its own course. But, um, yeah, uh, they've been great, and uh, it's been really great working with them. And uh, since they're their own space, uh, they don't have to answer to like a board of directors or anything like that. And, uh, you know, they can kind of just let the experiment go without uh, a bunch of people getting uh, nervous about getting something sellable out of it or something like that. Yeah. I was going to ask, how do you, how do you sell moonlight? Yeah. It's a uh, very Somebody's small, find a way. <laughs> yeah, little bags, very small bags. <laughs> no, that's not moonlight, Colin. That's oh. the, uh, <laughs> Excellent, yeah, I, excellent. I would like to second that to uh, just a thank you to Helmuth uh, Projects, They're terrific people in a great space. Well, excellent. I hope uh, I hope all of our uh, listeners go ahead and uh, check that out. And uh, you know, just want to take again a second to thank you guys for coming on and talking to it. It sounds like a very interesting show and a, a very productive collaboration, which uh, you know makes Colin feel better. It does make me feel way better. (laughs) Thanks again, guys. Hey, thanks Thanks for having us, Dave. Well, thanks again to Bill and Colin for joining us. 
Once again, if you visit this blog entry, you will find links to Bill's website and Colin's website, and especially Helmuth Projects. That's helmuth-projects.com. Once again, you can make an appointment or also visit the closing reception, which I highly recommend. Colin will be there performing the Night Moves dance that he is so famous for. So please go ahead and check that out, December 19th. Once again, if you're interested in what I do, and I do not wield moonlight, I have a website, davidlinaway.com. You'll find a bunch of paintings up there, so please go ahead and check that out for your viewing pleasure. Once again, if you visit the Studio Break page, we hope that you follow the blog and get updates that way. Once again, you can see that we've got a ton of different podcasts, so please go ahead and check that out. Once again, if you want to see more posts, just click more posts, or if you want to search the archives, just look on the left, you'll find the archive tab, and again, we've got a lot of shows up, we have some recent episodes with MFA and BFA winners for the 2012 competition that are very fun to check out, and also check out the full-length interviews with artists like John Philip Abbott, and Amzi Emmons, and Anna Hepler, and all sorts of good ones from all around the country, so I highly recommend perusing that, and once again, we'd really appreciate it if you would share this post or any ones that you like on your Facebook wall, on your Twitter. Again, we really want to bring all of these artists that have been on Studio Break out there and gain them some visibility and share them with whomever would be interested. So if you happen to know anybody that likes podcasts or has a commute and might like this podcast, please share with them. Once again, you can find out more information about Studio Break by visiting our Facebook page, Studio Break. Once again, we provide updates and previews of future guests and shows for past guests, all sorts of good stuff, and also follow us on Twitter at Studio Break. Our last little reminder is that once again, you can go and find us in the iTunes store. Just search for Studio Break under podcast, and there we are. Subscribe, leave us some feedback, and share this puppy with whoever you feel comfortable sharing it with, even if that's your mailman and it's uncomfortable. All right, everyone, that's all we got for today. We'll talk to you real soon. Felt the lightning, yeah. Waited on the thunder. Waited on the thunder. I woke last night to the sound of thunder. How far off I sat and wondered. Started humming a song from 1962 And it's funny how the night moves When you just don't seem to have as much to lose Strange how the night moves With autumn closing in